Don't let fear and failure paralyze you in stepping out in faith. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. it's funny because we're devoted to so many different things and God's desire is that we would be devoted to him and be about his business. My kids have a little video called The Incredibles and I think it's interesting about this family that are super powered kind of people and and I got to thinking you know it'd be really cool if they'd come out with a Christian movie called The Indestructibles because that's what we are as people of faith. God has set you and me apart for his purpose. And until that purpose is completed, you're indestructible. I think it's interesting, you look at the two prophets in Revelation, that during the tribulation period, they're telling the world not to take the mark of the beast, trying to tell everybody to stay away from the whole Antichrist system. And the Bible says that when their testimony is completed, they're allowed to be killed Three days they lie in the streets of Jerusalem and the whole world sees this. Now, we know up to the time of satellite television, this would have been impossible. But uh, the Bible says after three days, they, there's a voice from heaven that says, come up here. And the two prophets stand up on their feet and they just go right into heaven. I could see the, uh, the CNN crew going, whoa, that's something you don't see every day. As they're just ascended into heaven. But, you know, really, God has set you and me apart for his purpose. And I really, truly believe until we, we come to people of faith, when we walk in the spirit as God wants us to be, we'll never really know why we're here on this earth. And we'll never really, really understand why we are here and why God wants us to be about his business. That's one of the things that when we, we become a Christian, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And uh, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner. And we know the prayer, basically. It's, it's, it's not a prayer to be mindlessly repeated. It's a prayer as a blueprint. Our Father, which art in heaven. We have a Father that sees everything from a different perspective, thank God, than ours. And then he gets down to very much, I think, a very important part of that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is already being done in heaven. It's not being done here on this earth. But that's where you and me come in, that we then are ambassadors to bring about God's purpose on this earth. Now, one of the things we always deal with is we are dealing with either in the church or outside of the church, old human nature. That's that part of mankind that rebels against God. Does it happen within Christians? Does it happen within a church? Absolutely it does. The church at Corinth, we find some interesting things going on. The letter of 1 Corinthians was a corrective letter. 
again, you have a group of people come together. A lot of people do a lot of kind of crazy stuff. Uh, they kind of homogenize a lot of maybe Christianity in with worldly ways. And so Paul, because he loved them, wrote a letter to help straighten them out. So in other words, they wouldn't be going down a bunny trail, but would end up in destruction further down the road. This is one of the reasons why I believe, saints, we as Christians need to be corrected. Now, the Bible says if you don't have God as your heavenly father, where you can truly say, our father, which art in heaven, you have really nothing in your life that will correct you if you get off. I oftentimes look at sometimes the newsreels on TV or whatever, and I wonder how in the world did this individual get so far off the path to think that that lifestyle would end good? Well, you have a daddy in heaven. When we become born again, when we ask Jesus to come into our life, the Bible says old things pass away. Not immediately, but they're on their way of passing away and all things become new. Now, one thing for sure that passed away immediately was your past. Thank God for that. We need a new start every morning. King David, man after God's own heart, went through many things, many victories. And let me tell you, friends, he had a showcase of things that he didn't do well. But yet God still called him a man after his own heart. Now, why was that? Because David understood that no matter what he went through in this life, he always had a God. He always had his daddy in heaven that would make things right, that would work things out for his good. That's the great news that we have in Jesus this morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Again, this letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth to help correct them in the crazy things that they were doing. You know, sometimes people will say things like, well, it's in the Bible, so therefore we do it. Well, there's a lot of things in the Bible. The Bible talks about murders in the Bible. Now, remember Cain slew Abel, the first family. And yet in that first family, we find a murder. We look all the way through the Bible. We see men's failures and we see God's gracious love towards man. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, may your Holy Spirit now come in a very special way to every person listening in this room, on the internet, around the world. Father, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would come. And God, that you would reveal to us that love that you have for us and that motivation to bring us into a place in our lives of no regret. And so God, now may your Holy Spirit bless Fill this place, touch our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. This is a very unusual thing that we're going to read about today because it's not something we'd normally think would like be in the Bible. But this is actually where the Apostle Paul, addressing a church that he loved very much, the church at Corinth, and yet they were doing some really weird things. I know a lot of people say, well, I'd go to church, but they do weird things in church. Well, yeah, I know they do. They, they have, unfortunately, it's happened here. It's happened to other places, but that's all right. God sees us through. Now, you have to remember, Paul still writes to this group in spite of what they were doing as brethren. I think that's really important because to err is human, to forgive is divine, as the old saying goes. Well, look at, let's look at this together. Verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since when you come together, it's not for your better, but for your worse. What? 
He's saying when you come together as a church, he's saying to this church at Corinth, it's not for your better, but it's for your demise. It's not good. Now, this is kind of unusual that we would find a minister writing a church, telling them when you come together, well, you need some big time correction. This is what was going on. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Ah, that's weird, isn't it? In church, you can have divisions. That's uh, something that happens. Why is that? People like to polarize themselves. They like to identify with something. And unfortunately, even in the world today, we will find not only in individual churches, but the church at large, people will identify with certain groups or certain ideas or certain philosophies. I've been around people that say, well, I'm a Calvinist. You probably heard that. And they, they have some different doctrine that I, I believe is, is completely scripturally sound. But they'll say, I'm a Calvinist. Well, why are you identifying with an individual rather than Christ? That would be my question. And when I found this in my own personal life, when I identify with anything other than Christ, I'm going to be imbalanced in my fullness of who I am. Again, we are what we are in Jesus Christ. Uh, it all goes back to him. In fact, everything about the Bible, it moves us from being self-focused to Christ-focused. That's the whole purpose of God's word. So he says, when you come together as a church, I hear there's divisions and I believe it. Why is that? Well, evidently, Paul had heard some things about the Corinthian church and these divisions that go on. Now, why is that? Well, again, why do people like to fight? I don't know. It's really a lot easier just to love one another than it is to fight with each other. Uh, you'll find that in your marriage. Uh, it's a lot easier to love one another than it is to fight with one another. So find that common ground and, and uh, enjoy one another in that. Now he says... For there must be also factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. He said, you know, it's actually interesting that sometimes within groups, there are these factions, there are these divisions, but sometimes it's not so bad because it then kind of lets everybody know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, who's really seeking God and who's seeking themselves. And you'll always find whenever you seek yourself, seek after yourself, seek things that serve this yourself, you're going to find those things are always going to divide you from the love of God. More of Jesus, less of me. That's, way the, that's what God always endeavors to do when we grow in him. And so he says... Therefore, and again, I always share this, it's not a corny cliche, but therefore, when you find the word therefore, find out why it's therefore, okay? It's a conclusion or a, a, a combination of the thought that he's just written down. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one of you takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? <laughs> now, you, sometimes you think, well, you know, I go to church, but there's problems. Let me tell you, this church had a lot of them. They come together for an agape meal like we're going to have after the service here today. He said, some people are just full of themselves, push everybody else out of line, get in front. And he said, he said that, that and others are there and you're drunk in church. Oh my goodness. 
Sometimes you think, wow, you know, I go to church, but church is full of problems. Let me tell you, this church had problems. And yet Paul still calls them brethren. Now, when we look at this, it isn't that God leaves us. You know, somebody said one time, Jesus loves me just as I am. And that's true. We hear it oftentimes on the radio, at Christian radio, different things. Jesus loves me just as I am. That's true. Um, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. <laughs> because why? Because there's a way the Bible says in Proverbs that seems right to a person, but in the end, there's destruction. You know, wouldn't it be great that you could see the end of a, a particular lifestyle or your life or an event at the end when you started? Wouldn't that be cool? So in other words, I would know, have you ever done this in life? Boy, if I knew how that was going to come out, I would have never done that. Well, why is that? Well, because we realize that those are the wrong choices. But here's what God does. God knows the future. We find ourselves in God, and God endeavors as our Heavenly Father to let us see through His eyes, to see the end at the beginning. If you could see the end of sin in your life at the beginning, you'd never do it because you'd say, well, yeah, I see the temporary pleasure. I see the, I see the fun in it, but I didn't see the hook in it or the destruction that it would bring in a, in, in a period of time. And so God then, via the invisible Holy Spirit, puts his spirit inside of us so that we see into the future and we see the outcome before we ever even do it. You know, the life of faith as a Christian, and every one of us, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, yet not seen. So God in his love allows us in faith to see into the future. Wow. You know, that's one of the great things that God does in every one of our lives. And that's why we have a heart for evangelism. Because we see into the future. We see that this life is quickly passing. I don't know how many people have ever went from Twin Falls to uh, Kimberly or Kimberly to Twin Falls on Kimberly Road. And on both sides of the street, there are two cemeteries. One a memorial park, one a cemetery with the tombstones. And I drive past that all the time. And I always think about, you know, the things, the issues, the decisions that many of these people made that today don't matter except what was done for Christ in eternity. And you think about that. And I, I call sometimes, sometimes people will ask me to do a memorial service for them. And I always tell people it's like the, you know, road markers along the road, you know, when you're traveling and you'll see mile marker 67, mile marker 68, mile marker 69. And, 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 and you see that and you think about that. It tells you how far away you've traveled from mile zero. And sometimes it'll tell you how far you've traveled across the state because they'll have these mile markers along the freeway. But you know, there's mile markers in our own personal lives on the road of life. And I do believe that sometimes memorial service, funeral services, seeing a cemetery reminds us, hey, where am I going with my life and where have I been? I think it's really important. So Paul, when he writes to this church, he's reminding them to change from the temporal, pushing people out of line, trying to get in first, all these different things that were going on, and being drunk. You know, the Bible tells us not to, not to get drunk. I, I tell people, if you want something to drink, get in Ephesians 5. You know, you'd be, well, I want a fifth, right? Get in Ephesians 5. What's that? 
In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Be not drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what we want to be. Why do people drink? That's the old joke, the elephants. Why do elephants drink? They want to forget. Why do, why do people drink? They want to alter their self in some way to not have life around them bother them. Think about it for a minute. You know, I think a lot of times if we think about the reason we sin, we wouldn't sin. But usually it's impulsive behavior and we just do whatever. Well, you know, if it feels good, do it. I'm going to do that. But when we start thinking about why do I do what I do, all of a sudden the desire for those things fades away. As a Christian, when we think about why do I do what I do, we're starting to break into that futuristic idea. Why do I do what I do? Why am I drinking? Why am I in this group of people that I know is destroying me? And all of a sudden, we're starting to focus through our daddy's eyes at the end result. Walking in faith. Listen, friends, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Used this illustration a couple of weeks ago when Peter got out of the boat. Lord, if that's really you walking on the water, bid me to come out there with you. And Jesus said, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat. Now, I I imagine the waves were rolling. They were scared to death. Peter gets out of the water and he starts walking towards Jesus. And then I think probably as oftentimes we all do, we take our eyes off the Lord. We go, what am I doing? Walking on the water. And he begins to sink in the water. And he cries out for the Lord. And you know what's great? Jesus came and saved him. I like that. Peter... (laughs) sinking in the water, Jesus didn't look at him and say, you're pretty stupid. I hope you figure it out. No, he went and got him and drug him and got back in the boat with him. So the thing is, don't let fear and failure paralyze you in stepping out in faith. As we look at this right here, there were fractions within the Corinthian church. There were drunks in the Corinthian church. There were people shoving and pushing their way in line in the Corinthian church. But that didn't stop the church from coming together. Friends, you're always going to find people in church that you go, wow, that person's really weird. Thank God they're here than somewhere else because we're around them to help them, to bless them. You know, when we break bread together here after the service and we eat across from somebody, you don't know that you may be the very person that God has ordained to minister to that person's need, whatever it might be. You know, sometimes our needs are physical, Sometimes our needs are are purely spiritual. I mean, sometimes we just need somebody to look at me and say, hey, it's okay, you're going to make it. Well, that's what God wants us to do. We're, We're supposed to be a family united in the heart and the spirit of God. Rather than polarized, drunk, shoving everybody else out of our way. Verse 22, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say then to you? Shall I praise you in this? No way. I don't praise you. He's like, what? this is a modern day terminology of saying, shame on you for acting this way. You know, there's people that have been blessed by God financially. And we should have an eye to help those that, that are less fortunate. I really believe that. I don't believe believe necessarily giving a guy a $10 bill will work for food when in fact they won't work for food. These little sign people that are out there. I had a friend that 
shared this before, but we'll work for food. And he said, hey, I, I got rock in the field. I'm, every time we plow, it pulls up the rocks. I need somebody to help me go pick rock in my field. He goes, I don't want to work. I make more money doing this. So just be careful. But if you see somebody really in need, maybe walk in, buy them a hamburger. I've done that many, many times in my life when I see somebody. I know if I give them money, they'll go out and buy a quart of Thunderbird, you know, but I, I would rather just take them in and, and feed them. That, that's what God's heart says for us to do. So he says, verse 23, for I received from the Lord, which I also delivered from you. And by the way, friends, that's all we can do. What we receive from God, we can give. If you have been born again, you can lead a person to Christ. If you've been baptized, you can baptize somebody. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you can lay hands on somebody and ask God to fill them with the Spirit. What we receive from God, that we give. And so this is what Paul is saying here. I delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same manner he took the cup after saying, this is the cup of the covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you do this and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Or literally, you preach the Lord's death till he comes. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus, in that upper room, this dinner, he said, how I've longed to uh, eat this with you. And he holds up the bread and he breaks it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.